Do you know eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? That's the most important thing. Uh, have you looked to him for eternal life? That's the most important thing. Uh, I'm so grateful this morning, Rich, that I heard the gospel when I was 10 years old, and I knew it was true. Uh, the only way I could know it was true is the Lord convinced me that it was true. I heard the gospel preached, and the Lord said in my heart, that is true. You're a sinner. You need a Savior. And if you just place your faith in Christ, uh, you'll be forgiven. Look to Christ and live. You'll have eternal life, and nothing could change that. Nothing could take that away. Have you made that decision? I want to ask you this morning, is there anyone here who's made that decision who regrets it? Uh, anyone here who regrets having placed their faith in Christ for salvation? I certainly don't. Uh, Sister Rhonda, I haven't always lived a life that I should have as a saved person. I'm thankful for a Lord who is gracious. I'm thankful for a Lord who is gracious. I'm thankful this morning, Brother Richard, that when we understand what God's Word says, uh, we can live it uh, if we're saved people because the Lord gives us grace to do that. And I'm thankful for that this morning. And when we, when we fail, when we let the Lord down, when we disobey, we meet his grace all over again. I'm thankful for that this morning. Would you take your Bible this morning, please, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open it up. We've, we've removed the, temporarily, we've removed the pew Bibles and the hymnals for safety's sake. They will be back eventually. If you don't have a Bible this morning, just listen. Uh, just listen. I promise you, we'll be preaching from the Bible this morning. Is that what we do here, church? Uh, the pastor preaches the Bible. I try to keep my thoughts out of it and just focus on what God has said in in what his word, his word is what we need. His word is, is the power. Now, if you're visiting this morning here in our church, um, I tend to uh, preach and teach through books of the Bible verse by verse. We do that for a few reasons, but, but one reason is that that gets us exposed to all of God's words. Brother Garcia, I have no doubt that God desires us to have every single word that he has recorded for us. They're there because we need them. So, uh, we, we preach and teach through books of the Bible so that we, we get exposed to all of God's words. Uh, here uh, in this morning, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I have been preaching through for a couple of messages now. We'll get you caught up, don't worry. Uh, several messages that deal with scriptural qualifications of pastors. Uh, what does God desire of a pastor? I got a call this week. One man said, Pastor, you're not going anywhere, are you? You've been preaching a lot about the qualifications for pastors, and it seems like maybe you're trying to get us ready for, for some announcement. You, you want us to be prepared. I'm not planning to go anywhere. Uh, somebody say amen, please. <laughs> Zach, there, there were sighs. Oh, he's not going anywhere. Rhonda, can you believe that? <laughs> Um, I've shared, Brother Ray, uh, several reasons why I believe it's important to uh, spend some time and focus on this passage. Of course, Paul is writing to young Pastor Timothy, uh, who's pastoring at the church in Ephesus at this point, we believe. And Paul uh, wanted to share with Timothy teaching about how he should conduct himself in the role of pastor. Of course, this is God's instruction for Timothy, I should say for, uh, yes, for Timothy delivered from Paul through Paul. Uh, Timothy needed to receive this so he could know how God wanted him to conduct himself as the pastor there. No doubt the Lord wanted Timothy to be equipped to teach others 
in the church what they should look for uh, as they began to call additional pastors over time. And then I've shared this other idea, and I think it made some of the guys uncomfortable, but it's okay to be made uncomfortable once in a while. Uh, Is that okay, church? I have your permission to make you uncomfortable once in a while. (laughs) Um, I, I think it's good for all men in the church to look at this passage and say, what would God require in my life if he were to call me as a pastor? Of course, God does not call everyone to serve as a pastor. Uh, but he does call some. He does call some, and he can call a man at any stage of his life to serve as a pastor. So uh, all of the men in any church do well to look at a passage like this and say, Lord, I don't know if, if you might call me to serve as a pastor at some place, some point in my life, but uh, Lord, help me to conform my life to your words so that you could, if you would, And then I've just encouraged us, um, gentlemen especially, to say, Lord, more than anything, just use me however you desire to use me. I know that you've you've, you've put us here to serve you, and what a privilege that is. And Lord, I just give myself to you to be served any way that you may desire, uh, even if it's as a pastor. And uh, I've 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 tried to offer some comfort to the men who might be discomforted by that uh, by saying this. When God calls you to serve in a particular place, you may be leery about that, but you can trust God to equip you, to empower you, to enable you to serve in that place, and to give you a desire for that if you would just yield. Lord, here I am. Take me, use me, a living sacrifice. Use me any way that you desire. Boy, that'll be a good thing. Now, ladies, uh, I've been addressing the men who could be called as a pastor, but uh, the fourth thing we've, we've been careful to know as we've studied through this passage is that whether you're a lady or you're a man, whether you're ever going to serve as a pastor or not, these traits, these criteria, these qualifications, boy, these are good things to have in your life no matter who you are. Uh, these, are these are traits and characteristics and uh, just a manner of living that, that will be pleasing to the Lord no matter who you are. And so we've approached the passage this way. Would you stand just for a moment as we read the first eight verses here? Uh, If you're able to, would you stand, please? We'll read. I want to read again the first eight verses. I know we've done that a couple of times already, but uh, it's good to see it and then see it again. So here we are, 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, this is a true saying. Uh, As God's words are true, these are true. If a man desire the office of a bishop and... We understand bishop and elder and pastor to be the same. Uh, He desireth a good work. It's a work indeed, but it's a good work. Uh, Verse 2, a bishop then must be blameless, not perfect, but endeavoring to be um, blameless before the Lord. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. We've studied that far through the passage uh, so far. This morning we'll focus on verse 3, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Verse 4 continues, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? 
Uh, verse 6, he's not a novice, left being lifted up with pride. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Verse 7, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, those outside the church, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And then verses uh, 8 and following deal with similar qualifications for deacons. Uh, so we'll focus this morning on verse uh, number 3. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I thank you this morning for each one who's come out this morning. Uh, Lord, what a joy, what a joy to be in your house this morning and to hold your very words in our hands, knowing that uh, as we've assembled together, Lord, you're present in a special way this morning. What a joy, what a privilege. Father, I pray that you'll help me now as I bring your words, help me to, to bring them accurately and clearly and to be led of you as I do. Lord, I pray for each listener, each hearer of your words this morning. Uh, Father, give us a heart to receive your words. And Lord, help us to yield our hearts even now in this moment, uh, Lord, to not only receive uh, your words, but to know how you would have each of us to apply these in our lives, whether we'll ever be a pastor or not. Lord, help us each to respond to your word, to yield to you, and to respond to your conviction this morning. Lord, I pray this morning if anyone has come who does not yet know Christ as his or her Savior, Lord, uh, I pray that you'd work in that heart this morning. Give that humble, simple faith, Lord, uh, that combined with repentance uh, is saving faith. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Isn't it great this morning, sister, to look around and see a, a church that's a little bit more full than it has been? That's, that's joy. Amen. Good to have you all here this morning. Brother Steve, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, I, I, the church knows you had a little accident. You were struggling a bit. We've been praying, and here you are back. God is a God who answers prayers. Amen, church? God is a God who answers prayers. Of course, there's many other folks that are dealing with um, physical trials this morning. And just keep praying for each other. Amen? Keep praying for each other. God doesn't always answer the way we want, when we want. But, boy, he does answer. And aren't you glad this morning? Rich, it's an awesome thing to be able to bring our cares and our concerns to God and know that he hears. Who are we to be heard of God? Well, we're his people. We're his people. Amen? Uh, let's jump in here this morning. Let's jump in this morning. Uh, by my count, the way we've been counting, we're up to the 10th thing, the 10th trait or characteristic uh, or qualification. So uh, we're going to start with number 10 this morning and say this, a pastor, according to scripture, according to God's word, uh, must not be given to wine. Uh, verse 3, not given to wine, uh, not given to wine. Dr. Sorensen, a man who's preached here, uh, he notes the phrase so translated refers to one who does not drink. He says Paul made no allowance for social drinking, uh, period. And I, I think that's a, that's a good understanding of the verse. Uh, we, we've looked a lot at what does the Bible teach about alcohol. And listen, I know there's there's disagreement. Some will argue the Bible permits some uh, social drinking, uh, moderate drinking. Uh, others, I've taken the position that that's an, unwise, that's an unwise choice. Turn with me. Keep your finger here, but turn back to Proverbs chapter 23. I want to just uh, see the, the wisdom of, of choosing not to drink. And uh, certainly for a pastor, this would be especially wise. Uh, Proverbs 23, beginning in, in verse 29 uh, said, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Lord says 
uh, about drinking. Uh, Proverbs 23 and verse 29 says this, begins with some questions. Who has woe? Uh, who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has this long list of problems? Who hath babbling? Who's made into a, a foolish babbler? Who has wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Well, the answer is verse 30. They that tarry long at the wine, those who drink and get intoxicated, they that go to sink mixed wine. The answer, the prescription here for, for one who has given themselves over to alcohol, verse 31, is looking specifically at wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself all right. So we've talked about this verse. We don't have time to, to park here long today. But verse 31 seems to be describing the fermentation process that occurs when grape juice becomes alcoholic wine. The Lord says, hey, when it, when it begins to ferment, that's when you need to look away from it. He says, look thou not upon wine when it is red. That color change that occurs with fermentation, uh, when, it begin, when it moveth itself, when the carbon dioxide that's produced by fermentation starts to bubble. That's your cue to look away. Don't look upon it, look away. Verse 32 there says this, at the last, it biteth like a serpent. May I ask a question this morning? Uh, look up here, please. Do you like snakes? I, I don't like them. I don't like them at all. I think it's because I'm afraid they're going to bite me, sister. I, th I think that's why I've decided I don't like the way they move. Uh, I don't like I don't like them, sister. I know they're God's creation, but I don't care for them uh, at all. Uh, and, and I think they, they become a very fitting uh, simile here. They, they provide very fitting poetic language uh, for comparing uh, alcoholic wine uh, and the dangers associated with it. Verse 32 says, at last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Do you know what an adder is? It's a poisonous snake. It's a poisonous snake. The Lord says, you know, get away from alcohol. It's like a poisonous snake. If you let it bite you, it's going to bite you. It's going to cause harm. Uh, if you will go down that road toward the poisonous snake, you're going to get bit. I shared with someone uh, this week that I, I was visiting a man last summer, I think it was, and we were sitting outside, and, and we were sitting on some chairs, and I looked down, I just happened to kind of glance down at my feet, and there was a snake slithering out from under the chair. Brother Garcia, do you know what I did? I, I just sat there quietly and calmly and said, oh, a snake, look at that. No, I didn't. I said, a snake, and I got up and I ran away. I don't like them, sister. I don't like them at all. I don't want to get bit by a poisonous snake, by an adder. Uh, in Proverbs uh, 23, the Lord says, you ought to have the same, the same uh, view of alcoholic wine. Alcohol, it's a poisonous, dangerous thing. Uh, we do well to look away from it. We do well to look away from it. Now listen, um, that's true for all of us. But it'd be especially true for a pastor. Pastors are not to be given uh, to wine. It's, it's not a healthy thing for anyone. It's not a wise thing for anyone. It'll be especially unwise 
uh, for pastors. Some point in the future, you need to call a pastor. You should ask him, do you drink? Do you drink? And, and you know, this is a box that, that needs to be checked. Let's look on at the, at the next thing here, back in uh, 1, Timothy, 1 Timothy 3. By the way, understand, you may have a different view of, of alcohol and, and drinking. Listen, I just try to preach the Bible as I understand it. Amen? That, that's all I can do. I just try to preach the Bible as I understand it. If you disagree, you're right. <laughs> you can do that. But here at our church, we try to let our opinions be informed by the Word of God as much as we can. And that's, that's my heart. That's my desire. We might as well get that out in the open now. Amen. We, we, this is a church of, of God's words. And as much as we can, we try to, we try to take opinions that, that are informed by the word of God. Uh, so he's not given to wine. He's not given to wine. He'll not be a drinker. Neither will he be a striker. Uh, that's number 11 on our list. He'll not be a striker either. Uh, this word has the literal idea of, this word has the literal idea of one who is not quarrelsome. Uh, he's, he's not apt to use um, violence in, in any way. He's, he's not going to punch you if you disagree with him. Uh, isn't that a good thing? <laughs> Could you imagine if the pastor punched you every time you disagreed with him? Can you, would you raise your hand if you've ever disagreed with a pastor? I'm inviting you. Put it up there, please. Get it up there. Look around. <laughs> Everyone in the church, some of you are afraid to raise your hands this morning, or, or maybe you're just being respectful to the pastor. I appreciate that. Uh, you, you can't be in a church for too long before you disagree with the pastor somewhere along the way. Don't you look forward to being in heaven when we'll all have the same understanding of all things. Say amen. You can all raise your hands to that. Yes, pastor, we look forward to being in heaven where we'll all agree about all things. The Lord will perfect our understanding uh, of his word. Meanwhile, we have to be willing to put up with each other when we have disagreements. And, you know, we're, we're, we're trying again to form our understanding and our opinions and our views of things according to God's words. But we're, we're imperfect creatures this side of heaven. And so there are going to be disagreements and differing opinions at times. We understand that. And so you need a pastor who, who's not going to punch you or yell at you if you disagree with him. Uh, and of course, the same would be true. The same would be true for all of us. The Lord calls us to a gentle response to disagreements. Uh, to be gentle toward one another when we disagree. Think about how important that is. Uh, some of you were breaking no, By the way, I assume if you didn't raise your hand before, you've never disagreed with the pastor. And I say, praise God, amen. You had your chance, okay, church? It must be the rest just always agree. Praise God, praise God. No, that's not the case. And I mentioned to a man more than a year ago, he, he was excited about starting to uh, visit our church and that he agreed with pretty much everything I said, I said, listen, it's only a matter of time till we disagree about something. Be prepared for that day, please. And, and let's agree ahead of time to be gentle with each other when that day comes. If we can't be gentle with each other when there's disagreements, we'll, not have, we'll, we'll have very little hope of the kind of one body unity that the Lord calls uh, local churches to have. 
You may not agree perfectly, but if we can be gentle and loving and kind and good to each other when we disagree, there's a, like, there's a greater likelihood that we'll be able to talk it through, get into the Bible prayerfully, see what the Lord says, compare Scripture with Scripture, uh, stay calm and let the Lord work in the situation. There will be a greater likelihood of getting to a Bible-based agreement. Understand this morning this, we are all commanded to be gentle toward each other rather than quarrelsome. May I ask you this this morning, what comes easier? <laughs> what, comes, what comes more naturally? Is it more natural or easier to be gentle toward one another or somewhat quarrelsome? Uh, what would you say? Well, you're all so mature now, you'd say gentle, right? But think back to when you were less mature. It was probably much easier, you know, to be looking for a fight or when there's a disagreement, just to, to be quarrelsome. Um, that's rooted in pride, we understand. Uh, by the way, I always want to be right. I always want to be right. Uh, I'm not always right, <laughs> but I always want to be right. Um, and, you know, I'm the pastor, I'm, I'm the teacher, I'm the preacher, that's a good thing, but uh, sometimes we, we want to be right just because our pride says, I'm right and you're wrong. You know, if, if we disagree, uh, you don't agree with me, well, I must be right, you must be wrong. That's a prideful thing. You really have to examine your heart when there's a disagreement. Do I want to be right no matter what, or do I want to be uh, right according to the Word of God? Sometimes you have to just say, Lord, humble me and help me to acknowledge that maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. You ever have a disagreement at home, uh, husband, wife, parents, children, maybe in the workplace, and boy, you, you, you let someone have it because you knew you were right, but in the end you found out you were wrong? Uh, Lord, help us to be humble before you and to acknowledge maybe I'm wrong. And help me along the way, <laughs> and along the, 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 the road to ending that disagreement to be gentle. Uh, to be gentle. We are all commanded to be gentle as opposed to quarrelsome. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24, the Bible says the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. That's God's commandment um, for all of us. For all of us, we're all commanded to not strive, to be looking for a fight, no, uh, but instead, uh, to be gentle. Now, I think it was last year I taught through the fruit of the Spirit. You remember that gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit, right? You, you remember that. And if you were, that was Sunday school series, right? If you were in Sunday school then, I want to just remind us of some things. If you missed that, I'll teach you a few things, but remind the rest of us of a few things. That word gentleness, that is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's back up just another half a step. Who has who has access to those fruit of the Spirit, those things that the Holy Spirit produces in us? The Holy Spirit will produce that list of things, love and so forth. We looked at that online at 9 o'clock hour this morning. Who, who is that for? Who is that for? Raise your hand. It's, it's, for, it's for those of us that have placed our faith in Christ for salvation, right? Uh, that in that moment that you repented and placed your faith in Christ, Bible teaches the Holy Spirit came and indwelt you, changed you, made you a new creature in Christ, took up permanent residence in you. What an amazing thing. 
and as we yield to the Spirit of God, fills us, enables us especially, and brings forth these Christ-like traits in our lives. That's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a supernatural thing. There's no explanation of this change that occurs and, and, and these traits being brought forth in our life apart from the supernatural working uh, of the Spirit of God. We're not a Pentecostal church, right? But we believe the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God and it changes us and indwells us and, and, and fills us as we yield and brings forth fruit, including love that we saw this morning at nine o'clock and gentleness and gentleness. Be reminded this morning, please, that the Lord never commands us to not do something without giving us a way to not do that thing. He says that the pastor should not be a striker, should not be a quarrelsome guy looking for a fight all the time. Uh, well, the answer to that for all of us who are inclined to be quarrelsome strikers is the gentleness that is produced by the Spirit of God as we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God. Now, think back to that Sunday school lesson last year. I shared with you then that that word gentleness, it has the literal idea of usefulness. And isn't that interesting? Uh, isn't that interesting? It has the, the literal idea of usefulness. Why, why would gentleness, uh, the, our word gentleness, have the underlying, an underlying word that has the idea of, uh, of usefulness? And we talked about how, listen, if when there's a disagreement, you're inclined to just fight. I want to I attack you with my words, and if that's not good enough, I'll punch you with my fist. Don't do that. Um, you're, you're not going to be very useful to that person if their opinion is unbiblical. If they've taken an opinion on something that is unbiblical, you're probably not going to win them to a biblical position if you attack them with your words or your fists. You won't be very useful to them in that regard, but if you will be gentle. Pastor, I can't be gentle. It just gets under my skin when so-and-so says X, Y, and Z. Lord, help me to be useful to that person rather than wanting to attack them. God, help me to be gentle. Uh, remember the phrase, easy to be entreated? Lord, help me to be gentle and kind uh, and not attack that person for being wrong. Uh, were you ever wrong? Raise your hand. <laughs> sister Shirley was never wrong. Praise God, sister. <laughs> I'm glad for you. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've been wrong more than once. <laughs> not, not you, sister. Never. Just once. Yeah, try to keep that in mind. <laughs> Raise your hand if you were ever lovingly corrected by a brother or sister in Christ and, and brought from a, a place that was biblically wrong into a an understanding, your understanding was changed when someone gently, lovingly shared with you what the Bible actually says, not what you hoped it said. And they were useful to you because they didn't attack you for being wrong, but they came gently and humbly and said, hey, listen, I understand how you could believe that, but let's look at what the Bible actually says. Anybody ever help you that way? I hope I have. <laughs> I hope I have. I hope many others have. And I hope you have, too. I hope you've been a gentle, useful help to other people as well. Boy, we can grow and, and learn and have a greater unity if we'll yield the Spirit of God as saved people and ask the Lord to bring forth that useful gentleness 
uh, in our lives. We do well, by the way, to pray for that. We do very well uh, to pray for that. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to be humble, gentle people who would be willing to share the truth from your word. Not what I think, but Lord, what you have said and what you've showed me uh, from your word. Lord, help me to yield the spirit of God. And as I do, help me to be gentle and useful, uh, not a striker, not someone who lashes out when people are wrong. Listen, this is important for all of us, but it's going to be especially important for the pastor. You can't have a pastor who's attacking people when they're wrong or when he believes they're wrong. You need a pastor who desires to be gentle and therein useful. By the way, we, we probably all do well to keep this in mind when we're on social media, right? You see something on social media and you just want to attack that person. I'm going to confess that I've done that. I can't believe this person is saying this. I've got to attack them. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> we do much better if you have to respond at all to offer gently and humbly, hey, I understand where you are on that, but have you considered this? Have you considered this? Uh, this kind of heart's going to be especially important for the pastor to have. Otherwise, the pastor is just alienating everyone anytime there's a disagreement. Uh, we don't want visitors to be alienated. We don't want members to be alienated. We want you to understand that we're preaching and teaching the words of God as best we can understand them with the yieldedness to the Spirit of God. Never attacking, never attacking. Uh, I've had people say to me at times, Pastor, I know you were attacking me. You preached that verse right there, and, and I know you were attacking me. And what's my answer to that? My answer to that, no. <laughs> no, that's just where we were in teaching through that book. By the way, that's one of the reasons why I like to preach all the way through books from beginning to end. So no one could say, you, you know that I have this problem in my life, and so you preach that verse, and you were publicly attacking me. No, <laughs> no, I was just, I was just preaching through uh, the book, and, and that's where we were. Why will it feel like an attack sometimes? <laughs> well, maybe you feel guilty, but I, I think more than that, if, if you feel uncomfortable when the pastor gets to a certain verse, it's probably more the conviction of the Spirit of God. Amen? Do you think? I promise you I'll never attack you personally. At least I don't have a heart to today. <laughs> I promise you that that is not my heart or desire as your pastor to attack you personally, publicly or privately. Uh, when it starts to get uncomfortable, you, you, can, you can take it to the bank. It's, it's the Spirit of God who's convicting you. Hey, your heart, your mind, your, your manner of living is not, is not aligned with this part of my work. That's the Holy Spirit working through the preaching and teaching of God's words. And that's your cue to agree, Lord, you know what? You're right. I accept that conviction. I accept that indictment. Uh, you're right. You're right. That's all you need to do is agree with God. That's, that's confession. And then ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me grace to put off the disobedience and to put on obedience in its place? Such a better response. Uh, such a better response to that kind of a situation. Lord, give me a heart. Give me a heart to be quick to agree with you and to seek your grace, your strength, to put off disobedience and to put on obedience. Maybe there's conviction about drinking. 
All right, do, do some business with God. Uh, maybe there's a problem with drinking. T come and talk to me about that. God has answers. Have you known anyone? Have you known anyone who's been rescued from addiction when they came to Christ? Raise your hand, please. I have. I have. The uh, Lord can do that. Whatever the addiction is, uh, alcohol, some other drug, uh, pornography, that's an ad highly addictive, one of the most addictive things uh, that there is. And it's a wicked thing, but the Lord can deliver you from that when you come to Christ. Yeah, but I've been a believer and I've continued to struggle with this. Well, okay, let's look into God's words together and see what the Lord has to offer. What's his prescription for being liberated from, from that addiction. We'll work through that together humbly and lovingly and gently, and trusting the Spirit of God to work in your life to liberate you from that, that bad habit. God can do that, amen? He can do that, but we've got to be, we've got to be gentle with each other as we approach these challenges, and that is a requirement for pastors, and it will be wise for all of us to take this up as well. He's not given to wine. He's no striker. And then see the third thing this morning, please. He's not greedy of what? What does it say there? What's, what's our King James phrase? What does it say? Filthy lucre. He's not greedy. He's not in it for all the money that, that he can get. I'm going to say this this morning. This church takes very good care of me and my wife, and we are, we are profoundly grateful uh, we realize that you give primarily to support your pastor. Yes, we have to keep the lights on and we like to have air conditioning and we have to fix things and keep maintain the buildings and property and so forth. Uh, have the fallen trees cut up and carted off. Yes, but you give, you give primarily to support your pastor, which is the single biggest expense uh, of the church. We're profoundly grateful. Uh, that said, that said, no one should enter into the ministry uh, as a get-rich-quick scheme. Amen? No, no one should do that. It's, it's, it's not God's intention. It's not, it's not God's way. Uh, God does allow believers to work in business, to have businesses, uh, to have careers. Sometimes we'll bless them with, with large salaries, and, and that's a blessing. And you have an opportunity to give out of that very generous abundance from God, and, and that's all good. That's all good. But the pastor is not to look to the ministry. Uh, he's not to be primarily motivated by what he can get from the church uh, in exchange for whatever service he provides to the church. It's not, his, it's not to be uh, his motivation. I'll say this. I believe I've, I've seen examples of men who perhaps came into ministry for that reason. I, I believe I've seen examples of men who have stayed in the ministry after they had disqualified themselves or after God clearly desired that they remain in the ministry, primarily because it was the way that they made their living and they, they, couldn't, they couldn't see beyond that. They couldn't see uh, that God would provide for them some other way. May I ask you a question this morning? Has God promised to meet your needs, believers? Believers, has he promised to meet your needs? He's promised to meet my needs. He has met my needs as I've been a uh, pastor here for uh, going on 11 years, I guess, 11 or so years. He's met my needs top to bottom, <laughs> all of them and, and, and much more. If God had me to do something else at some point in the future, uh, I would trust him to meet my needs. Can you trust him to meet your needs? Church, can you? 
boy, he, if you have come to Christ for salvation, Matthew 6, he's promised to meet your basic needs. No matter what, he's promised uh, to meet your basic needs. Don't forget that. Pastor, I have trouble believing that. I, have, I don't have the faith to believe that, and so I worry about my finances. I worry about you know, going here and doing this thing that I believe God wants me to do because I'm not sure how I'll pay the bills or whatever. I just worry. Stop. Confess that as sin. When you worry about finances, you're, you're basically saying, God, I don't believe you, and you're promised to take care of me. Uh, and you wouldn't say that to God. You wouldn't pray that, would you? God, I, I don't believe you and your promises. God, I just don't. Well, maybe, maybe you need to pray something like that. Say, Lord, you know what? I'm having trouble believing your promise to meet my basic needs. Yes, I've, I've come to Christ. I've placed my faith in him to be my Savior, but, I, but I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble exercising faith in your promise to meet my basic needs, and so I worry about that. Well, bring it to the Lord. Do that Philippians 4, 6, and 7 thing. Do it with thanksgiving, and let him bless you with the peace that he has promised if you will bring the concern with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You know those verses uh, if you've been around here much. Lord, help us. Um, someone, someone asked me once, would you... Would you exclude a man from consideration to be pastor if he asked early in the process what the salary was? <laughs> uh, you know, my answer to that is not necessarily. <laughs> not, he, has, he has to know. He has to know if he'd be able to live and meet his bills and so forth. But it might be a, it might be a um, trigger to look under the hood of that question just a little bit more and understand, uh, is this a man who's coming for salary or is he a man who's who's coming because he believed God would have him to come and that he, he'll trust God to meet his needs um, as he's serving, uh, as he's serving. Uh, remember remember t uh, this morning, please, on, on Wednesday night, we looked at the issue of discontentment in Judges 17, right? And we'll see that in Judges 17 and 18. We saw, um, we saw who'd we see, Zach? Uh, Micah and his mom and the man who was called a Levite. I guess I got a new title for the Wednesday night message. There's three M's, sister. <laughs> and their discontentment led them down the road to a very bad place. Uh, this coming Wednesday night at 7, we'll look at the Danites and Judges 18. Discontentment led them to an even, well, an equally bad place at least. Um, discontentment with God's provision, we, we have to be very careful uh, it can lead us to coveting, as we saw. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. Uh, you're, you're in 1 Timothy. Just flip over there, please. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10 says this. For the love of money, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. Just flip the page and look there with me quickly. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10 says, For the love of money is what? The root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. Which while some, what's the C word there? Coveted. We saw Wednesday night, it seemed to be the case that discontentment led to coveting, which while some coveted after, they have, what's the next phrase there? They have what? What does it say? Erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I don't care who you are, if, if you're living for material wealth, you're, you've, 
you've allowed yourself to get caught up in that spiral of coveting and getting and then coveting more and getting and coveting more. It's a vicious, vicious cycle of covetousness. If that's what you're living for, you'll never be satisfied because the minute you have X, you want Y and then Z and there's no end to it. Sorry, Z. You forgive me. For the love of money is the root of all evil. While some have coveted after, see the next phrase again, please. They have erred from the faith. Listen, you cannot afford to have a pastor who's coming for money. Uh, if that's his primary thing, he's coming with a covetous heart. Uh, he'll never be satisfied. He'll never be satisfied. He'll always be discontented. He'll always be discontented and coveting. And, and here, the Lord associates that with the likelihood that he will err from the faith. It's not likely that someone who is caught up in that vicious cycle of discontentment and coveting will stay faithful to the Lord, especially when there's not much money relative to what he might do in other, uh, other pursuits. It's not likely that he's going to stay faithful to the Lord and stay faithful to the church. He might be there, but I doubt that his heart will be there. I think that's the Lord's concern. That's the Lord's concern. You need a pastor who's coming because God wants him there. And, and you see that. God shows you that. This is the man that God wants in this place. This is, this is the leader that God has called to this place. Uh, this is the one who will teach us and, uh, and, and preach and remind us of God's things and encourage us, lay out a vision for our church, uh, and, and lead us from where we are to where God would have us to be. Uh, that's, what, that's what you need. That's what you need. So a pastor must not be greedy of filthy lucre. He must, as Paul did, learn to be content uh, with whatever provision God provides. Now, of course, a church should take the very best care of their pastor that they can. That's biblical. We've seen that. We don't need to go and revisit those verses today. And I'm thankful that, that you do exactly that for, for me and, and my family. I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Uh, pray that the pastor will never be discontented and caught up in uh, coveting some greater compensation somewhere else that might not be where the Lord uh, would have him to be. Let's go just one phrase further this morning and then we'll stop, okay? Can you take that? Should we vote on it? Gary, you don't want me to say we're done, right? No. Visitors, I've shared, Gary, Gary told me recently that the worst thing that I ever say is we're almost done or, you know, we'll see this one thing. And then I said, that, praise God, that encourages your pastor. So I'm going to say this, if you get discontented because the sermons are longer than you desire, don't blame me, blame Gary. It's his fault. It's his fault. All right, you direct all of your discontentment at Gary. I love you, brother. I really do. Keep Gary in prayer, please. He's, may I share? You're getting ready to make a move? I did. I hope it was okay. <laughs> Are you going to move tomorrow? You're going to start moving tomorrow. Okay. You're going to be moved tomorrow. That's the plan. Maybe we should pray about that. And you're going to sell your house. 
would you, would you pray that um, Gary would be able to sell his house in God's time? Pray the Lord would send the one buyer who would pay a fair price. All right, now they also have to come visit the church and get saved if they're not saved and join the church. That's all requirement too, okay? We were trying to sell our house up here. We, we forgot to pray just for one buyer who would pay a fair price. Not discontented though, amen? All right. No, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> Is that what I forgot to do? <laughs> I'm gonna pray that God will send you one buyer who will pay a fair price. Amen? That's the prayer. And if, if they would come to church here, that would be wonderful. You tell them they have to. Would you put that in the contract? <laughs> I'd like to know if your attorney would do that. Uh, number 13, we'll see this and we're done. Sorry, Gary. A pastor must be patient. He must be patient. I think this goes along with not being a striker and, and gentleness. A pastor must be patient. Um, I think back over the years from the time that I was saved as a 10-year-old at summer camp in Little Valley, New York, to the time that I really began to grow and get serious about the Lord. It was a long time, Brother Ed. I wish I could go back and change it. Amen. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You got saved, but then there was a long time that went by before you got pretty serious. Man, I hate that about my life. I, I wish I could go back and change that. I can't. All I can do is what I can do today and tomorrow, right? Go forward. Go forward. I can't change it. Uh, but I always try to, to keep that in mind about my own life because people were patient with me. Amen? People were patient with me. And our, I think if, if they hadn't been, you know, I might have never really got where God wanted me. If people were impatient and, you know, being ugly about my lack of growth, and I, I, it probably would have just driven me away. Um, I pray that it wouldn't have, but, um, you know, I think that would be the danger. Pastor must be patient. You see that here. Uh, verse 3, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy looker, but patient. But, but patient. Uh, we understand that the um, Bible uses both patience and long-suffering. Um, and the word long-suffering has the literal idea of just that, being willing to endure suffering. Yes, we need to be patient with each other. We, we need to recognize that people are at different points in their spiritual growth. We need to rec remember that um, we, we weren't always as, as mature as we are today. Not that, you know, we're all spiritual giants. Not that even the pastor is near perfection. <laughs> Um, but we, we remember it took all, all of us some time. We need to be patient with each other, but we need to be patient um, with, um, may I say it this way, patient with the Lord as well? Is he patient with us? Oh boy, amen. He's been patient with us. Um, think about this just for one second. In, in what sense do we need to be patient with the Lord? Uh, anybody desire the return of Christ? Amen. Yeah, that's what we're watching for and hoping for and waiting for. I'm tempted to say if you get impatient about that, that's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? If, if, you get, if you're tempted to be impatient about that, that means you're really longing for the return of the Lord. 
Um, and that's not, that's not a bad thing at all. But we, we are called to be patient with the Lord in, in that sense. We need to be patient, looking for and waiting for uh, the rapture and the things that follow it, the return of our Savior. Um, we need to be patient in trials also, right? Um, stop and ask yourself this. For, are you going through any trials at all? Church? Yes. You know, raise everything you got, right? <laughs> Uh, yes. Do you, are you patiently, are you, are you praying and asking, Lord, deliver me from this trial? Anybody? Lord, deliver me from this trial. Um, and you're trying to be patient with the Lord, but boy, it's hard, right? It's hard, especially when it's a health thing or some really challenging thing, a financial situation, a health situation. Maybe it's a chronic health situation. It's not likely to get better short of a miracle. Does God still do miracles? He does. He does. He can and he does still do miracles. But meanwhile, you have to be patient with the Lord. That can be a hard thing, right? It can be a hard thing. Um, the Bible calls us in Romans 12 and verse 12 to be patient in tribulation, uh, we, to be patient in tribulation, uh, to endure, uh, to, to endure suffering for a long time, to be long-suffering, to be patient uh, in the tribulation, the trials and difficulties that God allows into our lives. Does God, is God a loving God? Amen. Uh, does he allow trials in our lives just to beat us up, or is he trying to accomplish some loving purpose in our life? Well, often he's trying to correct us. Uh, often he's trying to grow us. Often he's trying to grow our reliance upon him. Often he's trying to get our attention to draw us closer to him. Remember, in every trial, every difficulty, you have two responses. It's to get angry at God and run away or to, to run toward him and cling on all that much uh, more tightly. You have a choice. Only one is a good choice, amen? Let God work that which he desires in the trials that he allows into your life. Uh, saying, Lord, help me to be patient, to, to, to endure long, to suffer long, however long you allow the trial to continue, knowing that you're a good God and a loving God, and you have good and loving purposes. God's attributes and his actions are always uh, always aligned, right? He'll never do anything that's not aligned with what he's like. If he allows a big, hard trial in your life, uh, it's loving and good uh, in, from God's perspective and, and therefore should be from our perspective as well. We understand God allows manifold temptations, manifold trials, many trials uh, to grow us, to grow us. And so we need to be patient. The pastor must be patient with everyone uh, recognizing that people are at all different stages of spiritual development. The pastor must be patient with the Lord, um, understanding that God will allow trials into the church family to grow individuals, sometimes to grow the church corporately also. Remember the church at, uh, in Massachusetts that was flooded, uh, just wrecked their beautiful building. And, uh, no doubt God is using that to grow that church corporately, to grow their reliance upon the Lord. Um, is patience a fruit of the Spirit? It is, isn't it? It is. Lord, help me to yield myself to you. And as I do, would you bring forth patience 
Would you bring forth patience in my life? Help me to be patient with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Help me not to kill them, Lord. Help me not to be a striker with words or, or fists. Uh, Lord, help me to be patient and gentle, willing to work through challenges uh, with an open Bible uh, and, and a prayerful approach with a Holy Spirit-fueled love and patience and gentleness so that we can become more and more aligned and more and more unified as a church, the one body that you desire, Lord, so that we can be as effective for Christ as a church as he desires. Sound good? Yeah. Amen especially important for the pastor, but important for everybody. God never calls us to do anything that he does not enable us to do. It's made possible because of Christ and the Holy Spirit who indwells us the moment that we place our faith in Christ. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, thank you so much this morning uh, for the instruction of thy word. Lord, thank you for each and every one of your words. I'm grateful. Lord, thank you that you don't leave us guessing for what you require in a pastor. And Father, this morning I, I pray again that you would help this pastor to have a life that's conformed as closely to these words as possible. Lord, I'm convicted each message uh, at the gap. And I pray, Father, that you would help my life to be as conformed to these thy words as possible. Lord, this church needs a pastor that is... Uh, given over to you and your words, and that's my heart's desire. That's my desire. Father, we thank you this morning that um, all of these qualifications are, are, are things, are attributes, are traits and characteristics that really, honestly, you desire in all of our lives. Lord, this morning, I, I don't know if any of this has been convicting. I suspect it has been to any given individual. Maybe someone's convicted that they're uh, too quick, their, their temper is too quick, they're, they're a striker, they, they're, they're quick to brawl, they're quick to respond in a way that's, that's not loving or, or gentle. Lord, help us to just confess that this morning and, and look to you for grace to put that off and to put on a, a humble uh, Christ-like gentleness in place of that. Lord, maybe we recognize this morning that our motivations in life are not exactly what they should be. Maybe we're living more for uh, filthy lucre than for you, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning, if that's the case, that you'd convict us and help us to put that off, to, to confess that and to have your grace, to know your grace, to put that off and uh, to simply yield to you and say, Lord, here I am, take me, use me any way that you desire, and, and Lord, give me faith that you'll meet my needs no matter what. Father, maybe there's someone that's struggling with wine or some other addiction today. Lord, help them to turn from that, to seek you for strength. Lord, to seek the wise counsel, biblical counsel that's needed. Lord, that all begins with simple, humble confession. And I pray this morning that we would do just that. Where you've convicted us this morning, help us to agree with you, to take a moment and agree with you. And to take a moment to ask your grace to truly repent, to forsake the sin, to put on obedience in its place, to find strength in you, Lord, to do just that. Father, I know that'll be a help to us, but it'll also bring honor and glory to our Savior.
give you a moment to pray. I want to ask you to keep your eyes closed for a moment, heads down. No one's looking around, please. May I ask you just to slip your hand up if you know for sure this morning that uh, you're saved. You've placed your faith in Christ. You have no question about that. You are on your way to heaven absolutely, certainly. There's no question. No one's looking around. Would you slip your hand up and slip it down? Pastor, that's me. I know for sure this morning that I'm saved. I know for sure. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You can put them down. Listen, if if you were not able to raise your hand this morning, I want you to be able to do that before you leave this morning. And I want that because I know that's what God wants. This morning, if you're not sure about that, the Bible way to solve that is very, very clear. The Bible says that we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And it's a very real hell. The Bible also says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This morning, if you've never made the decision to repent, to turn from sin or turn from relying upon anything other than Christ for salvation, I want to encourage you to just turn to Christ and say, Lord, I understand this morning I'm a sinner. This morning, as best I understand, I'm I'm turning and placing my faith in you. I'm choosing to believe, to place my trust and reliance in you, to commit myself to you, the sacrifice that you made upon the cross to pay the price for my sins. Father, as best I understand this morning, I'm placing my faith in Christ. I want to encourage you this morning, if you've made that decision, come and talk to me. Come and talk to me. I'd love to be able to encourage you in that decision. Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you for the power of your words. They are quick. They're alive and powerful. Lord, thank you for a Savior. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells us and makes living a life that pleases you possible. Lord, thank you for visitors this morning. What a joy. What a joy, Father. Thank you for the privilege to worship you in your presence this morning. Lord, I love you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may look up here. Thank you for being here this morning. I appreciate it. Zach, come and lead us in a closing song. He'll pray. We'll be dismissed. Please be reminded we'll be online tonight at 6 o'clock, www.lhbaptist.com. I'm going to do something I've never done before. Are you ready? We'll begin a series that will preach all the way through the Song of Solomon. Pastor, can you do that? You can. It's God's words. It's God's words. And um, we'll begin that tonight, Lord willing, okay? We'll go about eight weeks or so. So it'll take us Sunday nights into the fall. I really want to encourage you to join. Um, you can blush at home. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's, it's a series of eight passionate love letters, but it's more than that. It's much more than that. So uh, I want to encourage you to be online at www.lhbaptist.com. You can join our or click over to our YouTube channel from there. 
If you can, please join us tonight. Zach, you come, please. Thank you.